Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. I knew there was a funny feeling this year. Something was wrong, and I've just been alluded to the point. But I haven't played fantasy football this year. Rush Nation, we're back. It's the first, second, it's 2020, the year of perfect vision. Big man, how you doing? Oh, I'm all good, mate. Some of us have beyond perfect vision, but you know. That, that can't uh, be a thing. Yeah, I've got 2010 vision. 2010 vision? Yeah. What did it, pray tell? The 2020 is is perfect vision in the sense of, like, from distance and everything. 2010 vision is where you uh, is slightly more in focus and you can see clearly for longer distances. So it, it's not the difference between long-sighted. When people say they're long-sighted, it means they struggle to see things up close. Whereas people that have 2010 vision can see long sighted, but can see perfectly well, uh, close as well. Okay. I'll have to believe you on that because I'm colorblind and wear glasses for distance. So I'm well out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, I don't think there's any such thing as perfect vision. I don't know what. I think 2020 is like the standard, like the, the benchmark. Yeah, basically. It's just like uh, that's where you should do. So, um, the official definition is if you have 2010, you are above average. You're better than a normal quote unquote person and you have better than what is considered to be standard or normal vision. If you have 2010 vision, you can see at 20 feet what a normal person can see at 10 feet from an eye chart. Huh. 
So when you go for your eye testings, do you just like absolutely nail the letters on the wall? Uh, yeah. Um, the issue I have is well, I don't have an issue because I don't wear glasses. I'm, you know, I've got pretty good vision. It's sometimes um, the only difference is there's sometimes some peripheral blind spots where perhaps I don't have the best peripherals as people maybe with 2020 or other vision, but that could just be more of an eye training thing than anything. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Some eye chat for you. But yeah, the eye, the eye chat thing is never, never an issue. I only have to go for an eye test like once every five years. Oh man. That's well, lucky you is all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I can't smell anything. So, um, I say anything. I, I have a really bad sense of smell. Everybody has senses that are good or bad. Um, so eyesight is a pretty good sense of mine, whether it's um, smell is my worst easily. So there you go. You probably have a great sense of smell. I do have a great sense of smell, but I can't there see anything. So together we're formidable. <laughs> That's why we win so many ships. That's it. We have won some ships. So what's new at Five Yard this year? Is it Happy New Year, man? I forgot. Happy New Year, Rush Nation. Happy New Year. Um, feels like it's not that new anymore um back to work already um some some well, you've been back to work most of the time uh what's new at five yard well it's getting to the off season fantasy football it's not quite done in the sense of we've got some uh information in a minute we'll talk about um but we're now gearing up for playoff football the season's going to be over in four weeks time we would have had the super bowl and then we plan a long uh but exciting off season yeah, well, this ship, I say ship because we won a few this year. Oh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. This train, as we always like to say, never stops, not even for the off-season. So we've got lots of good stuff coming up soon. Yeah, but We we, we uh, had the Christmas Day special, which lots of you enjoyed and got in contact for the Don to Foreman shirt. And we do have a winner. We do indeed. So our boy Dermy Macalinden, sorry if I've said your name wrong, Dermy, he won the jersey, but not to be outdone. We decided to give away a T-shirt as well. And uh, for those of you that know me well, you'll know my last name is Mitchell. But this next winner, Josh, John Mitchell, is no relation of mine whatsoever. Although, funnily enough, I do have a cousin called Josh. So I did have to check whether it was him or not. But it's not. I don't think it was. No, it's not. So, yeah, Dermy won the jersey. Congratulations. And then second prize of the Five Yard Rush T-shirt was Josh John Mitchell. So, Josh, we'll get in contact with some designs you can pick from. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be wearing one that is not even in existence yet. Yeah, so get in contact with us if you hear this. If I haven't heard from you in a few days, then I will reach out. And if you choose not to claim it after that, then we'll redraw it i don't know we'll do something but yeah congratulations it's a it's a great prize and um i'm you know bad luck to those that didn't win it we will do more giveaways more competitions um which i guess leads us to talk about the the patreon page a little bit yeah go for it yeah so um we have our patreon page it's been running for uh, a little while now we haven't put too much exclusive content on there yet we're waiting to build up some uh users and and some additional some new patrons murph is what you're after that's basically it so you know we work very hard um you'll hear adverts in the show they don't yield uh great returns financially um <laughs> if any uh, if any <laughs> um well they yeah i mean in in terms of what we do we work very hard to deliver 
top quality content with top quality guests and uh, you know we don't tend to ask too much in return a review every now and again but if you do wish to subscribe to uh, the patron page and appreciate it's the off season so maybe there's not as much of a willingness to do so but those uh, who do subscribe um, they get priority in terms of hearing from us in terms of any uh, questions or anything like that um, but also we're going to be doing some really cool uh, events through the off season we're not going to announce them all today but there's going to be exclusive competitions. There's going to be um, some awesome fantasy football stuff we're going to do next year. And if you're a patron, we will guarantee entry into all of those things. Uh, no questions asked as a supporter of the podcast because it's you that has uh, made it happen. And then also as part of the investment, you also get uh, exclusive um, gear from us as well. So if you subscribe for a few months, you'll get, depending on the tier you're in, you'll also get some merchandise from us as part of that. So it's effectively, you're buying some merchandise, putting a little bit extra in, and in return, you'll get loads of exclusive benefits as well. But we have also added um, almost effectively a little tip jar um, up there. So if we helped you win some championships, um, if we helped you in any way win any fantasy football matchup, or do you know what? You don't even play fantasy football, but you just really like listening to us. Um, you can go on to patreon.com or you can also go on to our website and follow the links there. And there's a tier up there. It's, um, it is only like two, it's $2 a month, but you can cancel after one month. Um, it's just a way of just giving a little something to the show that just helps us grow. I mean, by all means, you can stay subscribed, but we have to set it as a tier that bills monthly but you know at the end of the day you can just do it you can cancel at any time um so if you only do it for one month to donate two dollars um we just appreciate anything that we get because we don't get any money from uh any other real source um and things like the giveaways that all comes out of our um, pockets which we're happy to do to grow the show but um yeah any chance that we helped in any way just that small little donation will go a really really long way um but that's me with the begging bowl out and uh, done so please do check it out please do give um whatever you can or please do subscribe um and again if you subscribe you get exclusive access to us pretty much whenever you want <laughs> except for when we're sleeping but um we'll pretty much answer anything or help you with whatever you want to do um and within reason we'll do what we can absolutely absolutely talking of fantasy football math the playoff leagues we've created we've launched three two of them are completely full and we've got a handful of spots open in the third one. So why don't you run people through these leagues and if they want to get in contact via DM with their email address, they can take one of these spots available. Yeah, so we we had we opened we decided to do three leagues. Um was umming and ahhing whether to do two or three, but the demand for the first two went really, really quickly. Um so the first league that we set up is uh, a one and done league. So basically what that is is you um you can pick any player you want that plays in the playoffs, but you can only pick them once. So if you use Lamar Jackson the week after this week um, and you use him for the divisional round, that's it. You can't use him again. So this week, for example, if you wanted to use uh, Nick Falk as the kicker, you can do that. And then you can't use Nick Falk again. So that is how it works. Um, so you have to be very tactical as to, when to play players um, and not waste them too early and think about when people are going to get eliminated and all those sorts of things. So it's very strategic. 
Um, the second one is a set and forget. So that is where you set your lineup in um, this week. And then that's it for the rest of the playoffs. So you think, oh, I might play Lamar Jackson, but he's not playing this week. And then if he gets eliminated in the divisional round, then that's it. You're done at quarterback. Um, that's a two QB league. So there is some room to kind of get away from it a little bit. But that, oh, that sounds tricky. It is tricky. That's what I mean. These are, these are challenging leagues. Um, so both those leagues are full. The one we've got remaining, we've got three spots remaining, is um, our guillotine league. So this is um, where you can select, you basically set a lineup every single week. Uh, any uh, player you want to use uh, could be used. You can use them every single week. But um, the bottom three teams in total points scored, not just for the week, but in overall points. So obviously in the first week, it'll be the bottom three. But the following week, it'll be the bottom three remaining teams with total points scored over the first two weeks will be eliminated. So eventually it will leave three teams um, vying for the Super Bowl. I like that format. Did, so, yeah. Last year, though, we, we did one where it was every week someone dropped out, right? Yeah, it was a slightly smaller league. Um, so this allows us to have 12 in each. So um, that way, three people drop out every single week. So you have basically goes from 12 to 9 to 6, and then we end up with three for the Super Bowl. Um, we'd ha- I think we had a smaller league where I think it was six or eight um, that we won, that we posted or we hosted with uh, Antonio. Uh, listener of podcast and uh, he came in and gave us a trophy for winning it which is very nice of him um, did, yeah. that was nice just before we went off to Poland he came to the studio had a visit and handed us our silverware well it's actually gold but whatever <laughs> <laughs> so there isn't anything for for these we've uh, kind of blown the budget on all our listener leagues uh, in the regular season but this is just something just to get you through um, those withdrawals of not playing fantasy football um, so it should be a lot of fun there's some people who I and never um, spoken to before who have been speaking to on behalf of this as some regular players. So if you are interested, there's just three spots remaining. They could have even gone by the time you're listening to this. So get in there quickly. I want them filled tomorrow because we kick off Saturday. Um, it's hosted on MFL, which is my fantasy league. So it's not the most user-friendly, but it's not too bad. But we're here to talk you through it because that's the only site that really does good um, post-season, post-season stuff. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's talk about those playoffs, considering we just talked about the fantasy side of it. So in the AFC, at the one seed is the Ravens, obviously. Two seeds is the Kansas City Chiefs. Three are the Patriots, four are the Texans, five are the Bills, and six are the Tennessee Titans. I thought we were going to do a Black Monday review. No, no, I, well, we were. We are, we can. Oh. I was just going to talk through the teams in each playoff and then go to the wild card a little bit later. Ah, got you. Sorry, we'll cut this bit out. That's right. I might leave it in just for shiggles, you know, people to see that we're not robots. (laughs) Nice. And then, yeah, flipped over to the NFC, got San Francisco Niners at one, Green Bay Packers at two, Saints at three, Eagles at four, Seahawks at five, and then the Minnesota Vikings at six. That's a strong, I think both sides are pretty strong, aren't they? I would say for the first time in a long time, I would say the AFC is stronger than the NFC. Um, I'd go back, I don't know how many years, six, seven, maybe even 10. Um, I look at that AFC, it's normally been one or two teams. 
Um, I would say the weakest team in there is probably the Texans. I was uh, just gonna, I was just gonna ask you who you thought the weakest team was because I think the Texans are, and I didn't think we'd have the same conclusion because you're normally a little more clued up on this than I am. But to hear you say the same thing as me is pleased me knowing. Well, I, I, I saw them against uh, Tampa two weeks ago. Um, I've watched them in the last few games. You, you, you have to take week 17 out of the equation. They they just benched everyone. But in their last meaningful game, yes, they won the game. It was handed to them on the plate. I think they kind of run out of puff. They've got a few injuries. Uh, Larry Tunsil, I don't think he's going to play. Um, that might be untrue, um, but I don't think he's going to play from what I've heard. Um, that's a big blow to the organization, the um, Pro Bowl um, tackle who they brought in. Um, from the Dolphins as part of that trade. Um, I just, you know, they, they've got Will Fuller who's out and he stretches the field for them. And without him, they were they struggled to stretch the field. Um, they haven't really got a number two. I mean, Stills is, Stills is all right, actually. He's not too bad, but you, you double up on um, Hopkins and then it's, you're dealing with, with Carlos Hyde. So um, I really like the they're going to be playing the Bills. I, I just think the Bills are going to be set to, to take them on. And um, and really sort of shut them down. So I think uh, the, it, that matchup really plays to me to the Bills' strengths. So um, I think Texans are probably the weakest. I would say out of them. Yeah, I think I think like you say, I think the Bills' defense will cause Watson way too much trouble than he likes. I think he'll get himself in a spot of bother here and there. And I, I don't know whether they'll double cover Nuke or they'll just stick Travis White on him White. and say have a day. No, they might just leave Tre Davis White on him and see how they get on. But um, yeah, I, d- I don't think the Bills will be going going down to Texas with any real fear, um, as they might be if they were playing, say, the Patriots, for example. I, th- I think the Bills, though. I think the Bills, the Titans, the Eagles. I think they've all started playing really well at the right time. So the the thing that concerns me with the Titans is you've got. All right, I know Henry looked pretty good in week 17, but he's been dealing with a bit of an injury. Ryan Tannehill has never won a playoff game. And it's one thing to light it up in the regular season, but when you see it in the postseason, it's a whole different kettle of fish. So you're going to a guy who has never won a game in the postseason. You're going to take him to Foxborough against the reigning champions with the best defense in the NFL. (laughs) I mean... I'm not one that's quite ready to write off the Patriots just yet. I think they're playing well, the Titans, but I think that is a tall order to go to New England and win that game. Yeah, 100%. I wasn't saying that I think the Titans will do the Patriots over. I, I, no. I was just merely saying that I think they're playing well at the right time. But like you say, going to Foxborough, I don't know what the weather's like, but the weather's always pretty nice in Tennessee, I imagine, if not a bit too hot. But yeah, Foxborough against the reigning champions is... Maybe a step too far. I think you've got five teams in there that um, will put up a good fight in the NFC. So you've got the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Patriots, who we all know about. But uh, the Bills are very gritty and the Titans have have really worked out um, how to play to their strengths. And so when I look at the NFC lineup, I would say that you have two very good teams in the NFC, but the other four, I think, would struggle if they were in the AFC bracket. I presume you're talking about the Niners and the Saints, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Green Bay are the worst 13-3 and team. Yeah, I mean, you've got to give them some credit for, for getting the job done, right? And, you know, I don't think you can ever be truly as bad as your record. Or, or you know, you're, 
is a strange one. You, you win 13 games, it's not a fluke. But it's the way that they've won those 13 games. They haven't looked particularly good. Um, they've run a very... I don't really know how to describe it. It's been a very vanilla offense. It's been Aaron Rodgers not really balling out, not really being um, outstanding this year. He's not put up many top 12 weeks. Um, he just has looked a, a little bit short and he doesn't have the weapons. He, he definitely looks better when he's got Devontae Adams in there. And he had weeks where he was literally throwing the ball to um, Aaron Lazard, which kind of just says you everything you need to know. So they back a genuine threat to Jimmy Graham's done at tight end. So it's run the ball with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, get the ball to the five and then let Aaron Jones just hammer it in. And that's pretty much how the Packers are going to play. And they've got to buy in that might give them some time to get healthy. The Eagles are pretty much a one-legged. I'd make an argument that that Eagles-Seattle game could arguably be the worst playoff game we could see in the last 10 years. I'm, I'm trying to think of a worse playoff game. Probably weather might make that wrong in terms of there's probably been a weather game that's really been difficult to watch. Um, but that game, I think, is going to be absolutely terrible. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've just got this funny feeling that it could it could blow up, and I don't know why. Because I mean, the, the Eagles are struggling to score. It's the according to Vegas, I was just looking at the over unders. It's the second highest over under behind Saints Vikings. I don't understand that. I, I well, I do only in the sense of you got the Patriots against the Tennessee Titans, and the, you'd expect that to be quite defensive. You got the Texans who aren't really firing against another defensive team. Uh, both those teams don't have great defenses, but you've got Seattle who um, are run first offense without a running back. You know, they've had to sign Marshawn Lynch and some other Joe off the street because Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are done. So and CJ process. And well, pff, all right. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he, he's name value compared to Joe off the uh, street. Well, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, you, you <laughs> sign you sign Marshawn Lynch, who hasn't played all season. Um, and you know, people go, "Oh, it's Marshawn." Yeah, I mean, it's a different kettle of fish when you've not played a snap all season. Um, and you got the Philadelphia Eagles, who, um, I mean, I'm not being funny, but you know, the backup QB might end up playing at wide receiver. You have Carson Wentz, who threw for 4,000-plus yards in the regular season, and he didn't have one wide receiver that caught for, caught 500 yards or more. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're going And if, if, if Miles Sanders isn't fit, I mean, I know Boston Scott, Boston Scott had, a, had a game in Week 17, but he's against the Redskins. Like, that's not get too excited. Um I mean, you, you're literally going to be relying on Greg Ward, Carson Wentz, and, I mean, they've got the tight end, so that's probably their their only hope. But you've got a pass-first offense with no wide receivers versus a run-first offense with no running backs. That's why I, I, I just can't see how it's going to be a barn burner. Then it will be whichever coach overcomes their biggest challenge. Um, and then maybe home field comes into play a little bit. I don't really know. But I think whoever wins that game is advancing past the next round either way. So um, everyone's written off Minnesota, which I think is funny. Um, they could do some damage. Um, but if They're seven depends, and a half point dogs as well. I know. It all depends on Dalvin Cook. If, they, if Dalvin Cook is fit, then they have half a chance. Um, but at the end of the day, the Vikings can't cover anyone. Andrew Brees is on fire. 
uh, and that should, that will probably be the reason why they lose this game. So I think if I look at the whole picture, you've got two very good teams in the NFC. You've got, for me, two very good teams in the AFC, and then you've got a team who you can just never write off in the Patriots, who you just have to take as given that they, they could be there or thereabouts. So then you look at, it's that next tier down for me. I think the Titans could probably beat any of the Packers, the Eagles, the Seahawks, or the Vikings for me right now, based on how they're playing. I think the Bills could probably give most of those teams a run too. And then I think the Texans is, the Texans is probably the weak link out of the 12. If I had to do a power ranking, I'd probably put them at 12. Yeah, I I think I agree with you there. I, I just don't know out of the NFC big two, if given a chance on the day, are they good enough to beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens if they make it to the big dance? Because I know I can't write off the Patriots, but I just think when the Ravens and Chiefs are playing, it's a real shame they can't play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 to be honest, if if the outcome is two of Ravens, Chiefs, 49ers, and Saints. I don't think anyone would be unhappy, um, except for maybe fans of other teams wishing that their team had got there right. But as a neutral, um, if someone could gave, gave me a Super Bowl with two of those four teams in it, I think I'd be pretty pleased. I think that would be box office, whichever combination you put together, whether that's Chiefs 49ers, Chiefs Saints, Ravens 49ers, Ravens Saints. I think any any one of those matches, I think, is going to be absolutely brilliant. Um Tennessee Titans are quite fun, but I just it's very hard as a wild card team to get all the way through. So it's going to be interesting how it all lines up. So um, for those of you that want to watch these games and see how right or wrong we are with our analysis, um, Saturday, Buffalo at Houston kicks off at, at 9.35. It sounds like we're both going Buffalo in that game, aren't we? Yep. We are. Um, and then one uh, fifteen in the morning, which is technically Sunday morning. These are British times, by the way. Uh, it's Tennessee and New England. Both of those are on Sky Sports main event. So it's not on Sky Sports Mix. It's not on Sky Sports Action. It's on Sky Sports main event, or it's on Red, um, Game Pass, if you have that as well. Um, Tennessee at New England, then. Who do you think is going to win that game? Oh, I'd love to, I would love to see Tennessee advance, but I just I can't see Bill Belichick losing at home. In the first wild card weekend in 10 years, I think he's going to want to really stamp his authority on that. And I think I think it could turn into a bit of a one-sided affair. I think that's all going to depend on if they can stop Derek Henry. If they can stop Derek Henry and stop the run there, then I, I think Tannehill could get nervous. Um, although he's been lights out, um, I do think that Gilmore uh, and company could shut them down and put the squeeze on, and I could see that being quite a low-scoring game. Um, but it is all down to, can they stop Derek Henry? Um, if Derek Henry gets injured in that game, pulls his hamstring, whatever, then the Titans are, are finished. Um, so it's going to be interesting how that goes, but I, I would go Patriots in that. I just think uh, Bill's going to have too much in his locker to to let that one go. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are going to say, well, the, you know, they lost to, um, they lost to Miami Week 17. That's not a win or go home. Yes, they would have wanted to win. I'm not saying they didn't. And yes, it was important because it would have got the bye. But it's very different when you lose and you're not eliminated versus you lose and that is your season finished. And I think you'll see a different, a slightly different attitude in the in the, in the Patriots this week. And then Sunday, 6.05, we've got 
Uh, British time to be GMT. We've got Minnesota at New Orleans. I don't think any of us are going to be shocked. New Orleans, I take it, is, that, is where you're thinking? Um, I think I think the Saints win it, but I don't think they win it by the seven and a half points that they're projected to. I think that's fair. I think I think uh, I think they get ahead early, and then they might take the foot off the gas. I think they lead in, and are comfortable through the game, but they might not cover the points. Just out of interest, if you were going to back the cover, do you think they cover it or not? I think they've always got the ability to. It's just, it's always different when you get to. There's, there's a couple of things here um, with the Saints. First of all, let's not forget that it was only two years ago that they lost to that Stefan Diggs miracle touchdown. Um, that will play in their eyes a little bit. Um, the Saints are just one of these teams that if 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 you if I was if someone had come from the future and had told me that Minnesota win this game, I don't think I'd be ultimately shocked. Given the fact that, as we've said it before on this podcast the Saints can lose any game at any time for whatever reason. So, but I, I think, I do think they would cover in most cases. I, I can see where they would cover seven and a half points because I don't think they can afford to let themselves uh, get comfortable, but that doesn't stop complacency setting in because they could be 14 points up with four minutes to play. And then they give up a touchdown two point conversion. It becomes a six point game and then they just see the clock out. And that's where they won't cover is in a scenario like that. So that's why I always find it quite tricky when it's like a seven, eight point cover is a scenario like I've just painted out. Yeah. Just, uh, just looking at the, sorry, I got the Vegas open again. The match winner coupon is the odds for the saints to win in decimals are 1.25 compared to four for the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty fair. You know, it's a tough place for the Vikings. They haven't really been good the last couple of weeks either. And then again, week 17, you've got to be a bit cautious. But that Monday night football game in week 16 against the 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 Packers, they were absolutely dreadful. Um, they really, I think they put up three points. It was it was horrific performance. And it's for that reason alone that they're just not coming into the playoffs with any real form. And Dalvin Cook's not played the last couple of games. Is he going to be fit? Um, you're not going to rely on Mike Boone for that game. And if you are, then that makes it a little bit different. So I have more question marks about Minnesota than New Orleans, who have been absolutely purring the last seven or eight weeks since uh, Drew Brees has been back. Yep. And then moving on to the last one, the one fifteen Sunday morning GMT time is... Uh, nope, sorry. Yeah, 9.40 p.m. Yeah, sorry. 9.40 GMT, Seattle at Philadelphia. That is, again, Sky Sports main event. This is the hardest one for me. Yeah, it, it is for me too. I, you can make a case for for either team. Um, I think for me, I would take the Eagles. Just, I just think they have proven that they can just about get the job done with what they've got. And I do think Seattle are a team you can get at. I don't think Wilson has been firing the last few weeks. Um, Lockett's not really been involved too much. They've got no discernible running game at this point. Um, and I think that's going to make it very, very difficult. But Wilson is one of those talents that he could just come alive and win this game. And, and if someone again came from the future and told me Seattle won it, I wouldn't be shocked. But um, I look at what Philadelphia have been doing with what they've got. And I just think they've got just enough to get through this game. But it wouldn't shock me if Seattle won it. Mm, fair enough. Right. We talked about Black Monday. Let's talk about it properly. And we'll start with Freddie Kitchens, who's been ousted as the head coach in Cleveland a couple of days later. 
general manager John Dorsey followed him out in Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland have been, they've just been one of those franchises that just don't really know what they want and they just keep turning over and it, it's never just the coach, it's the general manager, it's the front office too. You know, Dorsey's been there two years, he's been fired for the second time in three years after being fired at Kansas City. And um, apparently John Dorsey, they wanted to retain him, but not as general manager. They wanted to find a different role for him. They couldn't agree on what that role would be. So that is why he was fired and not fired at the same time as Kitchens. And Kitchens isn't a real shock to anyone listening to this. We have said that they've really lacked discipline. Um, They just looked completely out of sorts. And then you had Todd Munkin, who was the former um, offensive coordinator at Tampa, who was basically going along uh, the sidelines to opposing coaches, telling them basically what what a disgrace it's been under Kitchens that they would plan um, Tuesday to Friday one game plan, and then Kitchens would just adopt the hot, entirely different game plan on on Sunday. Um, and I mean, that's the sort of thing that's going to get you fired as a coach. <laughs> um, but I don't think he cares. I think he wants out. Todd Munkin's interesting because a year ago he went for head coaching interviews with the Packers and he interviewed very well. Um, and I, I thought he would be out at Cleveland this year interviewing for more head coaching jobs on the back of them making the playoffs. So the fact is that he's now not even going to be considered. He wasn't even playing. He wasn't even calling the plays. So it's just been an absolute disaster there. Um, they acquired OBJ. They acquired, you know, they had David Njoku. They had Jarvis Landry, OBJ. They didn't quite improve their offensive line, but that's a team with OBJ in it that threw for seven less touchdowns than they did last season. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and that's just down to the discipline. So that's why Kitchens is out the door. Uh, John Dorsey is a man who put together a roster and claims to be this great talent developer, but no one really wants him there. So it looks like um, this would be an interesting one to you movie buffs out there. Um, Paul D. Podesta, who is um, from the film Moneyball, for those of you that ever watched it, um, he was part of the Oakland Athletics um, front office. Um, he was played by Jonah Hill in the film. It's was he really? Person. Yeah, yeah. He is at, he's been, he's head of strategy or something like that in Cleveland. He is now going to be the one who is heading up the, uh, search for a new head coach apparently he's had different ideas to the ones that were hired out so uh, he's going to be heading up or more involved in the search but it'll be uh, uh, Gene, uh, Dean Jim Haslam who will be making the final decision on that so um, I know the candidates they're looking at are Kevin Stefanski who's the offensive coordinator with the Vikings um, Josh McDaniels who's the offensive coordinator with the Patriots and there is one more they're looking at. It might be Eric B enemy, but I don't want to guess. I'm just going to double check. Greg Roman apparently is another one that might be, who is the offensive coordinator with the Ravens. Oh, that would be um, an interesting one. Oh, Mike McCarthy's the one. Sorry, yeah, hasn't Mike he had two interviews there now? Um, he had one last year. I think he's having another one this year. So Mike McCarthy, who was the former Packers Super Bowl winning coach, who was fired a year ago. So they're the guys who are going to be in the frame. Um, I don't expect Greg Roman to get the job. I think it's going to be between McDaniels and McCarthy for me. I don't think they're going to go with uh, Stefanski. 
I don't think they're going to go for another first-time coach. I would say for where they are, Mike McCarthy would be a good bet. But there's another team that might go and hire Mike McCarthy first, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I just for me, Josh McDaniel. What Josh McDaniels did to the Colts last year, I just couldn't hire him. That was two years ago. Sorry, yeah, two years ago. I, I just couldn't hire him if I was the the owner for my franchise. I just the the snaky move, sort of handshake, yes, and then to say no, and and he didn't have a great time at Denver either. No, I, I think the differences with Josh McDaniels is he's learned so much and it's very difficult when you're being lined up to be a successor of the Patriots. But I think with that situation, the way it's playing out, I think he's just looking for the right situation for him. And maybe he shouldn't have accepted it if he wasn't all in on it. But I think Josh McDaniels, it, it, at the end of the day, it's more down to does Josh McDaniels want any of these jobs um, more than are these people willing to give it to him? Because we've seen other... Belichick disciples get jobs um, successfully, unsuccessful. They've been as coaches. Um, it's pretty much a, a rubber stamp job once they're in the frame. So I think it's more down to he will interview them and see if they're the right situation for him as opposed to the other way around where they'll be interviewing him to see if they're a good fit. Mm. Yeah. So let's move on to the New York Giants. Pat Sherman has been fired as head coach. And general manager Dave Gettleman has been retained. I mean, no, no shocks on Shermer. Shermer is a, a coach who um, I think he went 10 and 22 with the Browns and now he's gone 9 and 23 with the Giants. And I mean, the Giants are just a, an organization that are just absolutely a mess um, in terms of talent development. Um, I don't know how Dave Gettleman is still there. I don't understand how he's kept his job. Um, for a general manager who, quote unquote, after, sorry, so after he um, saved his job, he, quote unquote, said, We've hired four computer guys, which he goes for analysts or data analysts. It's just the guy doesn't have a clue. And I think it's, they basically just decided to draft the next Eli Manning. They just, um, they took Saquon Barkley and wasting the best years of his career uh, in a team that can't win more than five games. It's just, they're, they're an absolute mess and you almost need to think about blowing that up. Um, I would be surprised if anyone other than Matt Rule, who is the head coach of Baylor, uh, who lost uh, yesterday to Georgia in one of the bowls. Um, I'd be surprised if anyone but him got this job. I think that looks pretty nailed on that he, will get this job, although they are interviewing uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator as well. Is Baylor's in New York, right? Uh, that's a very good question. They... I don't know. I've just got a feeling that it's in and around the area. I heard them talking about him earlier on a podcast today. and it sounded no, like it's, he was... it's in Texas. Yeah. Maybe he's from New York then, because they were talking about him like he was a local lad. Yeah, I think he has some affiliation to, to New York. Um, I think that's probably what you've heard that he has some uh, affiliation to them. But in terms of who he's, I think he went to he went to one of the universities there. It might even be Buffalo. I'm not entirely sure. And I think he's from New York originally. I think that I remember the podcast because I listened to it as well. So I think he's from New York, and I think he might have even gone to Buffalo University. Okay, apologies, Baylor. I, uh, I just got your location extremely wrong. <laughs> so that, I went mind blank when you said it because I, I, I shouldn't own that. But 
uh, it just didn't retain. But yeah, I think Matt Rawls has got that job pretty much sewn up. I'd be surprised if it's anyone but him. And now that they, uh, now he's finished at Baylor, I think that can that can be sewn up pretty quickly. Talking of um, college ball quickly, did you see the guy's one-handed catch in the Minnesota-Auburn game? Uh, no, I have not. I, I watched some bowl games. I watched the Florida game. I watched the Georgia game. Uh, but there's quite a lot. I'm going to go back and watch over the next uh, three or four weeks. This catch by uh, the Minnesota wide receiver he just gets the, the quarterback, I don't know his name, slings the ball into the end zone, but really high, almost at the sort of crossbar level of the goalposts. And the receiver jumps up, grabs it with one hand, comes down and gets his toes basically on the line of the end zone. It was uh, some catch. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. Sorry, I just got some breaking news. Um, Sam Weish died. Oh, no. Aged uh, 74. So Sam Weish was a um, former head coach of the Buccaneers, uh, former coach of the Bengals. Um, in the 90, I think he was head coach of the Bengals from, yeah, from 84 to 91. He won two AFC titles. Um, and then he did four years with Tampa where he went 23 and 41 before um, Tony Dungy came in, I believe. Um, or it might be one between them, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's sad, sad news. Sam um, Weiss is when I sort of, I'd, I'd watched a few games um with him as a coach and I've gone back and looked at like old footage and stuff. He's a very motivational um, coach, very well known for giving very rousing um, speeches. Um, he really, really sort of large and life guy from what I've seen. I've not seen it live, but yeah, I, I just, that just popped up and uh, sorry about that for interrupting, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big loss to the big loss to the game. And anyone that uh, is familiar with the name or, and, and if you're not, then, then go look it up a, uh, you'll probably be able to find or you'll probably see some things on YouTube with some of the speeches he gave. He was absolutely a uh, box office coach. Um, really, really lovely guy. So um, that's a big loss for the NFL. Mm, 100%. Our thoughts go out to his family. Yeah, absolutely. So moving back to head coaches, Jason Garrett is expected to be relieved of his duties in the next week or two. His contract does expire on the 12th of January. So the expectations are that he's not expected to be given a new deal because Jerry Jones doesn't want to fire him. So they're just going to sort of let his contract expire and then start looking after that. I mean, that's rumour. Um, none of that's been co- um, confirmed. So we should be a little um, careful. That's what I think will happen. That's from Ben Albright as well, who um, has been on the podcast previously, who's an NFL insider, uh, is of the same thinking. So that's where that comes from. But uh, until it happens, um, it, I, you know, I can understand that he's been part of the Cowboys family for, I mean, as long as I can remember watching football. Uh, he was backup QB there, was part of the coaching staff there, been head coach last ten years, and he, you know, he needs to go. I think he's probably, you know, we said this a week or two ago that they are basically being the Browns of the NFC, probably the biggest disappointment from the talent they've got. And they're in a real sticky situation because they paid Zeke, they need to pay Dak, and they need to pay Amari Cooper because if those guys can potentially be free agents this year, you could transition tag one and you could franchise tag the other. But at some point, you're going to need to pay these guys. Their, their window for winning with the talent they've got is very abruptly coming to an end. Um, who they get in there, who knows? I was listening to a podcast earlier and the names being banded around were 
uh, Urban Meyer, who was former University of Florida head coach, um, former Ohio State head coach who stepped down just over a year ago. Um, I don't think he would be uh, an amazing fit um, just because I think he's someone who is uh, going to be very difficult to get on side. Um, the other name that's being banded about is um, Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma with everything that they've done over the last few years. But again, that's another one. Um, that Lincoln Riley offense hasn't been battle tested in the NFL. So if that's the the route that they want to go down, that's a very risky move on my part from for what they're looking to do. Yeah, considering the window, like you say, is so small. Almost need to get somebody who's a bit more explosive than Jason Garrett, but runs the sort, same sort of system. And... Well, I think Urban Meyer at least is, is someone that will go in there and he'll demand. He, he's a very experienced coach. He's, he's won everywhere he's gone. Uh, got a good playoff record in, in college, won some national titles. Um, he is a disciplinarian. He's someone who is is a win-at-all-costs person. Um, I think that's to his detriment. He's not a guy who I, um, even though he's a former head coach of Florida and he brought some of the best days to um, the University of Florida that fans have ever seen, um, he comes with a zero morality uh, personality where it is a win at all costs. And he's had some significant scandals uh, that have been attributed to either him or his coaching staff. And he's someone that I just think could be a very risky hire and he's also got um significant health problems he dedicates himself so much that he has uh, he's prone to headaches and heart attacks and uh severe health concerns and if he's getting that college and, and that college is extremely stressful i'm not trying to lower it in terms of demands but nfl's a, a different ball game in terms of some of the pressures especially when working for the joneses so I don't know. I don't see either of those hires being good fits for me personally, but that's just a personal opinion. Here's a, here's a thought I had earlier. Obviously, Kellen Moore's offensive head coach over there. Um, do you has Wade Wade Phillips with, with the Rams currently as defensive coordinator? But I'm, I heard something the other day that he may be leaving or something. Has Wade Phillips ever been a head coach anyway? Yeah, he was the interim head coach in. Um, uh, and then head coach at the Cowboys before Garrett. Hmm. I just I had a thought, like, why not get somebody defensive in who's pretty good? Because they've got a decent defensive unit in Dallas. Get somebody in who runs the defensive side as a head coach and then let Kellen Moore do his thing on offense. I think from if you look at the coaching spectrum in the NFL, obviously each head coach comes with their own... Um, success in terms of their own preference so Andy Reid brilliant offensive guy you've got other head coaches that have built Belichick for example fantastic defensive mind but I think the, the, and what you've seen with someone like Freddie Kitchens for example and we've seen this with many many head coaches I've seen it firsthand at Tampa for the last 10 years before Bruce when you hire a guy to come in and fix that side of the ball that they play call that side of the ball. The head coaching job is so much bigger than just one side of the ball. And you really need to have a very strong offensive coordinator and a very strong defensive coordinator. And you need to almost relinquish some of that responsibility to those coordinators and let them do the job. You're involved in the day to day and you can have great strong opinions and how you want to build your defense or offense. But 
I think if you've got a guy that you're bringing in to fix the defense, I wouldn't have him necessarily be the, 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 the head coach because it's all the surrounding parts. If he gets too immersed on that side of the ball, you can't just give the offense to, to Keller Moore and just say, right, well, I'll just deal with the defensive side of the ball because it's almost too much responsibility. Don't forget, Keller Moore is, what, 26, 27 mm. years old? He's just a rookie himself. You've got to play a very fine balance in terms of being involved, but having very strong-minded coordinators that do what they do. Um, so I, I don't, I don't, and also I remember Wade Phillips as a as a coach. Um, he's a good coach. I think he's better as a, a DC. Um, I think they could get a, a pretty decent coach in there. Um, I for me, someone like Mike McCarthy, I think fits the bill at the Cowboys. I think he's someone that will get them. Uh, get them going to where they need to get to quickly. Someone who's won a Super Bowl, um, someone who can get that um, coordinated and done quickly and knows how to build a very good NFL team in a very short amount of time because I don't think they've got the, the luxury of going with a rookie coach. Fair enough. That's a decent point. And I'll, uh, I'll be prepared to sit down on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Doug Marone and Dave Coldwell have been retained for 2020 by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, what? This might be the most baffling uh, of all the decisions. I, d- I don't really understand um, where the Jags get off um, just firing one person every year or getting rid of one person saying it's that person's fault. Last season it was Blake Bortles. This year it's Tom Coughlin. Um, you, you basically get rid of the one ex- extremely competent person in this franchise, the one that's won Super Bowls. Um, I don't I don't get this. I don't understand how Dave Caldwell has kept his job um, at all. I, I really don't understand this. Like, as uh, I, I mean, I, if you read his win column, he's got one winning season in seven. Um, typically, it's like three wins, four wins, five wins, six wins. You know, he's never threatened the eight win mark, except for the season where they got into the wild card and then the AFC title game with 10 wins. Um, and Doug Marone was on his last legs. They made him fire his, his entire coaching staff last year. And yet he gets to keep his job another year. I just, I I don't get it. I guess it's, they won a couple of games down the stretch, but you know, Dave Caldwell signed Nick Foles to a $90 million deal and they're stuck with him now. They've, they've got Leonard Fournette who is, I think probably done. So they don't really have a running back there. If you're looking at a sixth round draft pick, leaving your offense, they've got some decent wide receiver talent, I suppose. The defense is not anywhere near where it used to be. And then they're gonna, they've just lost Jane and Ramsey. They're probably going to use Yannick and Gokwe as well. I don't get it. I, I don't see Hammerone with the, with the roster he's going to have left is going to get to 10 wins next season. So I don't know why you don't get someone in and build a new system because you're going to have to blow it up anyway, by not by your choice. And you've got some decent draft picks this year, so you could start building a nice roster. I don't, I don't get it. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me either. But, you know, if they are going to be the London franchise, hopefully they get it all sorted before they uh, come over this side. <laughs> and, and that might be what the priority is. Maybe um, maybe Shah Khan has, has decided that actually for them it would be better to not necessarily be winning. Uh, maybe it's a conspiracy theory. I don't really know. Maybe it's almost better just to tick along with six, seven win seasons because uh, the area will get bored 
of a team that isn't winning and might make least less resistance for it to come to London. That could be a wild conspiracy theory I'm going to throw out there. Well, that is wild. I like it. I like it a lot. So let's move down to Washington, where the well, up, I suppose, actually. But the Redskins, who fired Jay Gruden after five games this season, have hired Riverboat Ron Rivera as head coach and former Jaguars and Raiders head coach Jack Del Rio as his defensive coach. It's, it's a slam dunk hire. Um, do you know what's really interesting about this is there's a, a rule called the Rooney Rule in uh, NFL that says you have to interview a minority coach for the position. Right. So you have basically, you know, let's say you have a short list of four. One of them has to be a minority coach. The Redskins decided very early on that they wanted Doug, um, Riverboat Ron. And as a result, because he is a minority coach, um, he fills the criteria. Therefore, they only had to interview him and give him the job. Wow. That's so probably the shortest hiring process uh, in history. You know, um, I also heard that he was out to dinner with the Redskins owner and Barack Obama before it was sealed. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, but that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, love the appointment of Jack Del Rio, um, two-time head coach with the Raiders uh, most recently, when he was five, just uh, before John Green came in. Um, and he was also with the Jaguars. Very decent coach. Um, he's one of those guys that, I'm not necessarily sold that he could be a head coach again, but I think he's a brilliant defensive mind. I think that's a great ticket. Um, that roster is going to need a lot of work, but I think you've got two coaches there that players will buy into immediately. Um, Ron Rivera is very much a, a player's coach, and I can understand the decision to part ways with him in Carolina, but even the way he left, you could see he was walking around the building and everybody was genuinely gutted he was going and not just from oh, some man who's lost his job, but they they learned, liked, and respected the guy. Even Dave Tepper, the owner who fired him, said he's a brilliant man, but we need to head in a different direction. And it was said it was the hardest thing he'll probably ever do. Um, and he gets respect from everywhere. And he's a good football coach. And I'm glad that everybody Ron is going to be coaching somewhere. And I, I like the Redskins organization. Uh, they also got rid of Bruce Allen who was their sort of team president. So that will take away some of the resistance that maybe Rivera would have got in. And maybe that was one of the conditions for him taking the job as well. So um, good job by the Redskins. They had a good draft last year. They need a few more, I think, to continue to hit on and, and do well out of. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me now to see them pick up a few decent pieces this year and have a real turnaround season next year. Well, they, they're in a crap division. You know, they're, they're in the NFC East where you've got the... The, the Cowboys who are probably one year away from being completely blown up, if not this year. Uh, you've got the Eagles who are so battered and bruised. Uh, they they need to rebuild a little bit. And the Giants who are an absolute mess. You know, Riverboat Ron has a real chance of competing in that division. I'd say probably next year is a little bit too soon. I mean, it's a bit early to sort of rule teams out, but um, there's no reason in... Uh, 2021, they couldn't win that division based on how it stands right now. I don't think he has got as far to go to try and win a division title as, say, the Browns do trying to catch up to the Ravens um, or the Panthers trying to catch up to the Saints, if if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good luck, Riverboat. It's nice to see you back in a hot seat. Yeah, it didn't take long. And uh, you have to give the Redskins some credit to to get that done extremely quickly yeah, um, they, just, they obviously knew 
who they wanted to pretty much straight away, like you said, and then yeah, and, 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 and got experience and got experienced pieces. Jack Delrio's good. I don't know who they're getting in at OC. That'd be interesting to see who their offensive coordinator is going to be. But yeah, I, I really like what they've done. And like you said, it, it's just decisive. We've gone in. That's our guy. We're making this decision. Boom. And now you've got a lot of time. Whereas, you know, the one thing about the Jason Garrett thing is it's really nice that Jerry Jones has this sentimental value towards him and doesn't want to fire him. But the problem behind that is if the Browns decide to go with, say, Mike McCarthy, who's uh, out of a job um, and they could hire him and then Carolina or and then the Giants hire Matt Rule and then the Panthers decide to hire, we haven't even talked about the Panthers yet. Um, but the Panthers hire someone else. They could be out of X number of fields and could be the only ones left in, in the talent pool, but they could have missed probably the best the best potential out there because they slept on the decision too long. Interesting point. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, actually. It seems like a nice sentiment, but you've got to go out and get the guy when you want him, right? I, I think if that's going to happen, you can announce he's not getting a new contract. All right, you can't officially hire a guy for 12 days, but you can... Well, 10 days now. But you can... You can start negotiations. You can let him know, hey, you're not coming back. We're not going to fire you. It's like a Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear. He assaulted that guy, one of the producers from Top Gear. Rather than fire him, he was at the end of his contract. They just didn't give him a new contract. They announced it very quickly. He had about a week left on his contract, but they announced it to the public. We're just not going to give him a new contract. They paid him up. I mean, what what's Jason Garrett going to do in the next 10 days? They haven't got any playoffs to prepare for. Clear out, just clear out his desk. Let them have a long ten day goodbye. Hang around the facility, you know. Make use of the employee discount in the shop. I, I don't really know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no harm. Just telling everyone, hey, we're not going to bring him back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe, maybe he he steals some pens from the cabinet. I don't really like. If that's your worry, then you know, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the Redskins could have done vice versa, completely flipped that on Riverboat, considering he was released earlier in the year by the Panthers. There might have been some sort of backroom conversation there about maybe, because they were obviously in search for a head coach early doors, weren't they, with their interim stepping in. So maybe they, they knew River Riverboat was going to be the man early on. Yeah, I think I think there probably were conversations. You don't get a contract done that quickly. Um, they clearly had been conversations over the last few weeks, but they did it away from public eyes and they had done it. Um, and, you know, there's nothing illegal with that because Robert Ron wasn't in a contract and the Redskins had Bill Callahan. He was under no illusion. He wasn't getting the job. Um, but they didn't have that as the distracting factor. They put out what they put out on the field. And yeah, that, that could be something that, that got done quickly. And they just probably didn't want to announce anything until the end of the season because they... They didn't want to derail from the team that they were putting out week to week. Yeah. Right then. Let's do some regular season positional, I guess, leaders at their at their position. So, fire the cannons, Murph. First one, passing title, Jameis Winston, 5,109 yards. Yeah. I mean, only quarterback to pass 5,000 yards this season. He is also the first person to put up... Um, 30 interceptions with 30 touchdowns. He got 33 touchdowns on the year. Uh, a lot of people will, uh, the jury's still out. I personally think James Winston gets re-signed in Tampa. Um, yeah, he, you know, he's he's not done himself any favours the last two weeks of the season, but, you know, 5,100 yards is a, is, a, is a lot of yards. And, you know, those last couple of weeks, he did it without um, 
anyone but Richard Perriman. So mm. um, there's things. James Winston is what James Winston is. If you can reduce it to 20 interceptions, which sounds like that's a huge jump, but is it really considering that he threw six in the last two games? If you can get down the interceptions uh, down to 20 or so, and you can get his TDs up to 35, and he's throwing for 5,000 yards, those seven wins become 10, 11 wins quite quickly. Um, he's a little problem. He's probably a little bit delusional and thinking that he is uh, this amazing player. But uh, that said, you know, my my comp to him is that he he can, he's got so much talent and you're not necessarily going to fix the bad. It's reducing the errors. Um, you're never going to fix them. There's no point saying, James Winston, you're going to get down to five turnovers a year. You, you're not. You're going to have to accept the fact he turns them all over. But if he can overcome those turnovers and win games and not lose you games, and he's putting up the rest of the numbers. I mean, I never thought I'd see a day that a Bucks quarterback would throw for 5,000 yards. I just never, never thought it was possible. So I think he's, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. It's just about, can you reduce the bad a little bit and dial up the good a little bit better? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so we- a fine difference. I mean, you're talking about the Bucks gave away three or four wins some of it was from the kicking game. Some of it was uh, because of Jameis. Um, but there were only four or five plays away from 10 wins, and that would have been in the playoffs. So there's not a huge amount you need to change. Just get those turnovers down a little bit, and, and you know, you, you never know what happens. But any, any quarterback that throws for 5,000 yards, you, you, can, you can talk about trash. You can say they're rubbish. There's, there's no quarterback on the planet that throws for 5,000 yards that's bad. It's just not possible. You you can't complete. You can't be able to complete that many passes to be bad. You can make a lot of mistakes, but you're not bad. That's I think that's the the, the misnomer people need to get out of their heads. Is he's got talent? He just maybe it's more of a head thing than a talent thing. Yeah, and he's great for fantasy. <laughs> Superb fantasy football. <laughs> uh, I've came in exactly where I projected him as the the QB five this year. So nailed it. Bosh. Next one up, rushing title, Derek Henry, 1,540 yards. We talked about him earlier. Receiving title went to Michael Thomas, 1,725 yards. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, he had a phenomenal season. Um, I think Godwin might have pushed him a little bit closer if he had a couple more games in there. Yeah, uh, for sure. But what, I, I want to go back to Derek Henry for a second because a lot of people wrote him off in fantasy. Um, and we took him in a few places. Um, listen, PPR... I understand the logic of barking him down a little bit because he doesn't catch the ball that much. But in a standard league, Derek Henry is he's, he's as good as anybody that you can get. I mean, he had a phenomenal year, um, not just with yards, but touchdowns. And I think if you play in a standard or a half-point PPR league, you, you need to consider putting Henry... Uh, he's a free agent as well. I mean, how much money is he going to get in the market and where will he go? Is he really? Um, yeah, he's a free agent. That's mental. Yeah, he could, I mean, he could get silly money. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, what a year to have a 1,500-yard season, right? Um, if I mean, if he stays in Tennessee and they re-sign him, in a standard or half-point PPR league, he's a, he could be a tail end of the first round guy. I, I know that sounds crazy, but if you think what he did at the end of last season, what he's done this year, I mean, he's no longer the nearly-ran guy. I mean, 
I wouldn't sign him to a big contract because he's not got that many years left in him. But you say that you say he hasn't got many years left in him. But his first two years, they never even used him. No, no. But even so, um, he he really is a bell cow back, and he's he's proved that this year. So he's just so explosive. I mean, he had the most forty-yard-plus uh, TDs this season again. I had that last season. Um. I I get the argument in PPR that you'd mark him down because he doesn't catch the ball, and I get that. But do you know he's still ranked the fifth running back in PPR, though. That's crazy. Um, I, I'd still be slightly down on him in PPR, but in but in in half point or standard, yeah, he's a talent. The first round, top of the second round guy for me for sure. Do you want to know um, my favourite stat about Derrick Henry this year? Go on. Then. He went for five yards a carry. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. It was exactly five. Uh, 5.08, but I rounded it down. Yeah, no, I'm giving you that. That's fine. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, so we mentioned Michael Thomas for 1,725 as the receiving yardage leader. He was also the reception leader with, I don't know how, how many he ended up with, but I know it was a lot. Well, he broke the regular season record as well. Um, I mean, 1,700 yards for a receiver is ridiculous. I think this was the most... Um, this is the the most amount of receivers that broke a thousand yards um, this season. I think twenty nine players broke a thousand yards in receiving. He had one hundred and forty nine receptions. Sorry, just looked it up. That's yeah, crazy. That's a lot of receivers going over a thousand yards. Yeah, that is. So uh, he did very well. I I I, think, I still think he would have beat Godwin, but Godwin I think would have pushed him quite close had he played the last two games. Um, but I mean, Michael Thomas, I think is the locked-in wide receiver one next year, hands down. Um, and I think he's someone that you can consider. If you look at, that, at what was last year's top four running backs, he's someone, he for me is the one player that could break into that top four. And if you went that way, I couldn't argue against it, especially in PPR. That's crazy. Right yeah, right now. now. I'll do some more analysis and maybe I'll change my tune. <laughs> That's the good thing about an instrument. You can always change your tune. <laughs> so the tackling leader was Bobby Wagner with 159 tackles. That's, I mean, that seems like a hell of a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good amount of tackles. And uh, he's been phenomenal this year for, for the Seahawks. Yeah, and then Father Cannons Murphy is another Buccaneer. Sack leader, Shaq Barrett, 19 and a half sacks. What did Denver get rid of? Oh, he got $4 million this year. Actually, I, I, I think he got a little bit more of incentives, but... Uh, he he might be the single greatest free agency, uh, like prove it player deal of all time. <laughs> like it, it's ridiculous value they got for him, and he's going to get paid. I think he stays. I think he's going to get thirteen, fourteen million next year. And who's to say he doesn't deserve it? He won't return those numbers next year because there'll be more attention on him, and there's more tape on him. And but if you if he draws more attention, it means there's another player in that in that defense who will be more free to to make tackles and make and make sacks. So it's still worth paying the guy, even if he's not going to put the quote unquote stats up. But phenomenal year from from Shatback. He got three sacks in week seventeen to take the sack title away from Chandler Jones in Arizona. Mm. That's a lot of sacks. Yeah, that's a lot so of good. sacks. And the interceptions, we've got Stefan Gilmore, Anthony Harris, and Tredavious White all had six. Right, Murph, 
there's no Murph on the streets this week, but we've got notable performances. Why don't you take that away? So I just pulled out some some stats here. Um, so Travis Kelsey got 1,229 yards, and he finished fourth in receiving yards across the NFL, all positions. Which is, I, I never thought I'd see a tight end finish that high. But also the fact he was fourth and he finished 500 yards behind Michael Thomas. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I mean, that's quite crazy. Um, then Darren Waller, uh, who would have been a um, waiver wire pickup week one, 1,145 yards. He finished 15th in receiving across the NFL. And then CMC with his 1,000-1,000 season, he got 1,005 yards. He finished 28th uh, in receiving yards. Uh, the only man with 1,000 yards that finished below him was Mike Williams, who probably had the sneakiest 1,000-yard season I've ever seen. Yeah, because he had did absolutely nothing all year. 1,001 yards. <laughs> Squeaked it as well. <laughs> this one shocked me. Kenny Golladay led the league in receiving touchdowns. He got yeah. 11. Um, the only players that broke double-digit receiving uh, touchdowns was Golladay himself with 11 and Cup and Andrews got 10. Um, Aaron Jones and Derek Henry led the league in rushing touchdowns. They both had 16. CMC had 15. Cook had 13. 12 with the sneakiest. Uh, Gurley had the sneakiest 12 touchdown season I've ever seen. That's uh, rushing. You probably had a few receiving in there as well. <laughs> he had a sneakily good touchdown year. Yeah, it did. Uh, Elliot had 12. Ingram and 10 were the only players to break double digits for rushing touchdowns. Uh, Lamar Jack. Sorry, I was just going to say, Ezekiel Elliott having 12 is a bit sneaky as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he got three or four late on. So I think that kind of weeks uh, 15, 17, he had pretty good, um, pretty good numbers. Fair. Um, Lamar Jackson eclipsed Patrick Mahomes' record uh, fantasy season from a year ago. Mahomes had 417, which is the best ever quarterback uh, season uh, for fantasy football. Lamar Jackson had 422.4. He did it in one game less because he didn't play in week 17. That's incredible. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey finished 157.4 PPR fantasy points ahead of Aaron Jones in second. What's gracious. What's funny is only 27 running backs actually eclipsed 157.4 PPR points this season. Oh my God. And he had more than that in the second place. <laughs> Which is massive. Michael Thomas finished with uh, finished 98.5 PPR points ahead of Chris Godwin in second. Um, so Chris Godwin finished second in PPR considering he played two games last was quite a, an impressive feat. And that he wasn't even the wide receiver one on this team. <laughs> That's mad. Um, I think uh, Mike Evans was still a top 10 PPR. Um, he was 10th or 11th, maybe. Uh, it was definitely one of those two. Um, and he missed three games. Um, okay. And to finish this one out, the Patriots D was outscored um, by only 12 wide receivers in PPR scoring and just 11 running backs. <laughs> That's not right. No, uh, it won't happen again. But watch people draft the Patriots D in the sixth round next year. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm telling you now. Don't do it. Do not draft a defense. No, ever. It's too, it's too volatile. Um, we will provide some strategy guides to explain why and um, be working on a metric that, although we'll make it look like you should draft a D you still shouldn't and I'll explain the metric um, at some point but it's pretty cool I was showing some some of it to you 
Yeah, that was yeah. good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it'd be good for ranking players as a good part of a draft kit as well. So, uh, but more to come on that. Yeah, teaser, um, teaser. Let's uh, shout out to Neil Elliott, Paul Howard, James Allen, James Spavin, Dave Long, Rory Dehenny, Ryan Keller, just mate, you're lucky there, Josh Patton, Drink, Steve Middleton, and then us. We're all winners of the Listener Leagues for last year, or well, this year. Which one is it? Last year, I suppose now? 20, just say 2019. Well, no, I, yeah, I, I just meant fantasy season. Is, is that now classed as last year, or are we still in yeah. this year? No, last year. Well, well done to everyone who won last year. Yeah, so 11 Listener Leagues. And we had 10 different winners, um, which is quite impressive. We were the only duplicate winners, but we were in all the leagues. So, um, <laughs> you know, It's a we good were, start to be in. <laughs> yeah, it did help. Uh, we were unlucky not to win a third, but um, Paul Howard uh, destroyed us in the standard league, so hats off to him. Um, all you guys qualify for the Tournament of Champions as well. There's also um, Martin and... Uh, who's the other person that qualifies for the Tournament of Champions? Let me look that up while you cover me for a second. No trouble whatsoever. So yeah, Tournament of Champions, we're going to be in it, obviously, and then it's going to be the winners of all the listener leagues. haven't decided what the prize is going to be, but it's going to be formidable. We don't know about yeah. format either yet. No, we're not. Yeah, we, we will design that. We've got quite a bit of time um, to decide. What are you talking uh, about, Murph? We can draft now. We could do, but we're not going to. Oh, okay. Uh, Fair enough. Yes, I'm Anne Vigard from Norway. Oh, is he our Norwegian listener? He's our Norwegian listener. Oh. So he, he will make the tournament champions as the runner-up in the 0.5 PPR Superflex League. Ooh. Watch out for them Norwegians. Yeah, so we have a Norwegian, we have an American, and Steve from Orlando, my old hometown. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, we have an Irishman who doesn't live in Ireland. We have a few Scotsmen. Um, and some Brits. So it's interesting. Uh, good old spread of people. It's an international affair. So the 13, because you and I will share a team of us in the uh, Tournament of Champions, we'll see uh, how that breaks down. We'll keep you updated on that. But congratulations to all of you for winning. Um, there will be more recurring Tournament of Champions by doing more listener leagues next year. We've got some exciting events. The FFCC is coming back in 2020. The sign-up will be on the site soonish, um, And then we're hoping to launch another one or two other exciting competitions, but we'll leave it at that uh, for now as a tease. Um, we should probably mention the format going forward. It's not really a set format. We're still working on it, but we're going to be, this will be the only week in which we do one podcast um, just with New Year and everything, people going back to work and trying to help people down. But from next week, guest spots will resume. We've got a returning guest next week, followed by two new guests after Ooh, that. Exciting. One of them is a winner of a large fantasy football tournament. And the other one is one of, is actually the most accurate um fantasy football ranker on the planet holy moly yeah so top draw guests we're getting on but you'll want to tune in for tuesday's guest um he did something that every single one of us could only dream of doing um i dislike this person already (laughs) (laughs) i jest i jest 
but it's a, an awesome set of uh, people we've got coming on and we've got even more really exciting guests people you'll be familiar with people you might not but we will continue to break the bank in terms of getting top guests on and if there are guests that you want on the podcast then uh tweet them and tag us in the handle and tell them you, that they should come on our podcast uh that tends to work quite well amazing love that you heard um, it here and if it nation. doesn't then we'll keep piling on more pressure until they come on Exactly. We don't stop. This training never stops just because it's the off-season. Not technically the off-season yet, but it is for nearly fantasy anyway. Murph, this has been electric as always, buddy. I will catch you on Tuesday. Yes, you will, for sure. Rush Nation, as always. I was just about to say my tagline, but I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. Get in contact on Twitter at Five Yard Rush. Please, please, please leave us a little friendly five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would really, really appreciate that. If you fancy flicking a few coins into our tip jar or joining one of the Patreon tiers to get hoodies, T-shirts, chat lines with the big man and myself, head over to patreon.com forward slash Five Yard Rush or head over to the website where you can see the little link there. And uh, yeah, any love would be much appreciated. But... Until next Tuesday, as always, Happy New Year, and don't forget, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.